I'm Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. The Old Man Who Bets. And I'm Anthony Latino, a.k.a. The Odds Fellow. And this is short-term high-volatility investments, your one-stop shop for sports betting and insights no matter what season is in full swing. And now, let's cash some tickets. It's a great day for a great day. My name is Jeff Sheesby alongside my man, Ant Latino. Perhaps you know me as the old man who bets. Perhaps you know him as the odds fellow. We're here coming off one of the most exciting NFL weekends of all time. Asterix, not protected with the most profitable for me, um, but that's okay. I had a lot of fun. As maybe you can tell, maybe you can't. I lost my voice down in Fort Lauderdale. It is slowly coming back, but we're not here to talk about my throat, and we're here to talk about some best bets. How are you doing? How's the week going? Winning Wednesday, great week. Uh, the cold is still here. We love talking about the weather. This is partially a weather podcast. Uh, but hey, maybe there's hope. I got out for a little outdoor run yesterday. It was like 40, maybe low 40s in, in the okay. New York, greater New York City area. And that that meant I was going to go out and pound some pavement. But, um, but look, the pavement, weather aside. The cardio king, Aunt Latino, as they call that's it. Right, that's right. But weather aside, I mean, really a great weekend of uh, divisional round playoff football that we all got treated to four amazing games four walk-offs I don't think I've ever seen that happen three field goals and then a walk-off overtime touchdown so you know probably the best place to start is just hot reactions quick reactions from the weekend what did you enjoy the most great games bad bets is what it came down to um <laughs> so you were you at know, the just, bachelor party watching these games with the whole yeah, saturday and then yeah. sunday i flew back it was just in a world of pain <laughs> on my couch eating one of the best pizza i've had in quite some time zesty pizza yeah. really nailed that one but i mean games were absolutely electric i was on the titans obviously that was just a a, a gross scenario of Terrible coaching, terrible execution, terrible everything, even though I still think they were the better team. So not thrilled about that one. And then I was on the Niners, and that game was uh, less exciting, but some good defense and a great outcome. And, you know, the snow at Lambeau doesn't get better than that. I mean, maybe with more points, but nonetheless, pretty pretty electric Saturday. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. And then that teed up, obviously, the Sunday games, which you didn't think you were going to continue topping. You know, by Sunday afternoon, halfway through the first game, which was probably what, five, five thirty ish, you know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe even a little a hair earlier. You thought you thought it was done, right? When the uh when the Rams scored to go up twenty seven three, you either think it's done or you had shades back to the Super Bowl and you were like, Go for two. Go for two, yeah. you cowards, make it twenty eight three and go for two. They didn't I know twenty seven three. I mean, as a Patriots fan, you know, I saw I've, I've believed in that comeback before. Yeah. So I was just kind of yeah. shaking my head being like, this game ain't over. You know, I had the Rams yeah. in, a, in a parlay, had them as an unofficial play as well. Right. Um, so well, I was I thrilled what I learned is I, I kept I like, turning oh, to I was watching the game with the boys and my wife was around. I kept turning to people and then I would text people too, and I just be like, they love too much time in the clock. And I said it for the Rams game. You know, that one was a little different. That was even more time. And then I still said it for the Chiefs game because the two timeouts scared me. But here's something to put in perception. <laughs> you know perspective again bitter cowboys fan bitter cowboys fan the cowboys had 14 seconds left on the last play they ran 14 seconds we let the clock run out because we did something stupid the chiefs had 13 seconds to get into field goal range so that shows you what two timeouts do right mr mike mccarthy and your poor clock management so Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's end rant for the day. Yeah, great point. I mean, great play, right? That was absolutely insane that they pulled that off. There were some great mic'd up moments uh, with Kelsey essentially being like, they're going, man, I'm going to set a pick for you, Tyreek. Executed perfectly. And then the next play, he says, that seems open. I'm running to space. I'm not running around. Mahomes hits him on a pretty decent ball. So, yeah, I mean, C- Cooper Cuppian, I would say, in terms of X's and O's, you know, great to see Kelsey have that kind of, you know, not that. I didn't think he had it before, but, you know, prime time, biggest game of the year, biggest moment of the game. And he's thinking critically about it and they go out and execute. I mean, 
regardless of my Bills bet. That was that's just as a Absolutely. sports fan, just really amazing to see. Yeah. Well, one other thing I wanted to get your take for before we jump right into the NFL action and we give you guys a short and sweet show since there's only two games this week is uh, MLB Hall of Fame. I know you're a baseball guy. <sighs> I don't have any good takes on this. We didn't talk about this. Any good takes? Yeah, I mean, I, no, look personally, I think it's ridiculous. Me, I, I think they should be in. I think it's. I think it's absurd. So, I agree. That's that's the takeaway yeah. here for sure. <laughs> I mean, and like Ortiz was also linked to a steroid scandal in like 03, right? And it was yeah, like an anonymous yeah. source, whatever. Right, but the guys you're going to see getting penalized are Manny, Clemens, uh, and uh, A Rod, and then. Bonds, you know, that's the big, yeah, four, you know, and I always think names. about, uh, I always think about Lance Armstrong, obviously he got busted, right. you know, one of the most biggest, but you know, everybody's yeah. like, well, they, this guy didn't get caught. He wasn't part of Balco, whatever. It's like, if, you know, cycling has a pretty rigorous that blood doping scheme and could get away with it for a decade, you know, not to say that when there's smoke, there's fire, but it, you got to think that just because Bonds, Clemens and Sammy Sosa went down for steroids, like, they're the only ones in the league. You know, the, the Astros cheating scandal. Everybody's like, well, other teams are doing it, too. It's like just because you can't prove it doesn't mean it can't it can't happen. Uh, and that one to me to... is is worse. I don't know if that's probably the, probably the wrong thing to say and think about. But right. the Astros one doesn't sit as well with me. And that's Yankees aside. That's just the type of you know, behavior that I think is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and, you know, the just like the fact that the Hall of Fame is like the moral compass here where the MLB let their ratings skyrocket because these guys were using steroids and making millions and millions of dollars. I mean, if anything, it's like whatever Hall of Fame, somebody's going to start a new one, a new better one. That's what needs to happen. I love anyway. it. Well, let's start rolling through the games. Um, I don't know where, where you want to start. I guess maybe we go in the order of the action, which I actually don't know. Sunday at 3 p.m. is Bengals Chiefs. Uh, 49ers in the nightcap, obviously, on the West Coast at uh, at 6.40-ish. Yeah. So. so you said the Chiefs game was first? I, didn't, I wasn't even aware of that. Bengals Chiefs. Bengals Chiefs is Bengals first. Chiefs. Is, is Bengals Chiefs. Bengals Chiefs. <sighs> A great place to start. I mean, I think the hottest, uh, hottest ticket item here is... Um, it's probably Jackson Mahomes and, and, and Patrick Mahomes, his wonderful wife, and they made more headlines or equally amount of headlines, um, you know, as, as the Chiefs did. But this is one of those things where, you know, one of these things this weekend is not like the other. And it sounds like the Bengals are that in terms of statistically not being as strong as the other three teams. But. I don't know. They've beaten good teams all year. They've also lost to good teams all year. I think this is going to be one of the more bettable games, I guess, is is kind of my, my quick takeaway uh, on the Chiefs and the Bengals versus the Rams and, and, and the Niners. You know, I think we see very similar DVOA difference on game two than we do on game one. But, you know, this is a, a Bengals team that, of course, has been performing way better recently. We've been looking at DVOA all, all season. Again, that's defensive value adjusted over average, essentially as looking at every team and every scenario and giving them a percentage grade of how much better they are than league average. So uh, when we look at that, there's two stats, DVOA for the season, there's DVOA weighted, which takes into account games of more recently. So when you look at the Bengals here, overall, DVOA, they're 17th, but recently they're 14th. So they have been playing a little bit better. I still think their defense is going to be too much of a liability here. Uh, weighted defensive DVOA is 24th compared to 13th of the uh, 
of the Chiefs. And that's not necessarily saying the Chiefs defense is good. I think maybe we look for an over here. But at the same time, I think that defensive DVOA and an inferior offense, even though they've been playing well, is going to be uh, an uphill battle for, for, the G, uh, for, the, for the Bengals this week. Yeah, I really, I mean, the over is getting hammered too in the market. Like obviously this is Action Network data. I like to look some other places. But 34% of the bets, uh, no, sorry, over 71% of the bets, um, you know, but only driving 35% of the money. I still think that's the right side. I think it got steamed up even since it opened. It opened around 50 or 51. I think it's way up around the mid fifties right now, like 54, 54 and a half. So that's a big, a big number. But again, these teams put up 65 the first time they played back in week 17. And you got to think with them on that week 17, KC was only three and a half. Yeah. That was an away game, but then they lose. And now they're seven at home. I mean, that feels like a pretty strong line to me. I think the question is, yeah, and look, both of these were were matchups. We're going to get to the Rams, uh, Niners trilogy here. Obviously, this is an out uh, in conference, out of division game. The right. teams don't play each other every year, so we got the treat of watching it in Week 17 when it did matter for both teams, right? So let's put that back on the table. The the Chiefs at that point controlled their own destiny. If they kept winning out, including this game, they probably have the number one seed sure. um, because of the loss. The Bengals really locked up the AFC North crown and slid the Chiefs back to again losing control of their own destiny and and locking in eventually the number two a week later when the when the Titans went out. But one thing that jumped out to me, and I remember watching this game because I actually think I was on KC here. I just love the way they were playing leading up to this game. Sure. They had leads of 14-0, 14-7, 21-7, 21-14, 28-14, and then finally 28-17 at halftime. Right. So they were always kind of in a, in a you know a couple one scores, but a lot of two score leads um throughout that first half, including a final 28-17, which means they would have covered the first half number. Then they didn't score a touchdown again in the second half, which is just not what you would expect For sure. from the Chiefs and the from this off, offense and the way they literally. got going. Yeah, they kicked the field goal in the fourth quarter, and that was it. You know, final score, 34-31, right? Right. And, you know, I think what's interesting, you know, we look at DVOA as one level of comparison. We look at yards per play and points per play for another. And, you know, the yards per play, points per play comparison, 100 percent points to to the Bengals. You know, yards per play on offense, 5.8 versus 6.1. Pretty similar. You wouldn't expect a seven point spread off of that. Uh, defensively, the Bengals are actually leading in the yards per play, 5.6 versus 5.8. Obviously, lower is better there, neither of which are particularly strong. But again, you know, you're splitting that. You think seven's too much. Points per play, we're seeing pretty similar, 0.431 versus 0.443 on offense. Slightly into the Chiefs, but slightly into the Bengals on defense at 0.34 compared to 0.354. So... You know, that that screams all, all all Bengals, all Bengals for me and the DVOA, you know, there's there's holes in both of these squads. Right. You know, touched upon it a little bit that defensively 13th and 24th, neither are elite. Uh, but offensively, of course, we do see three versus 12 for the for the uh, for the Chiefs in, in that advantage. But that's one of those things where it's like Jamar Chase is balling. Higgins is balling. Uzama is balling. Boyd gets it done when he needs to, right? Joe Mixon can do whatever the hell he wants week in and week out. And historically, this run defense for the Chiefs, what is that ranked at? We got it right here, uh, 20th, um, which is obviously not good. It's better when you look at weighted, but season long. And yet here I am, and I, and I do love I love the Chiefs, and for a reason that we haven't got into yet. But I'd love your, your quick take on uh, – on the yards per play, the points per play comparison, and, and how you're yeah. making making sense of that. No, no, I think that's that's super fair. I mean, I think another 
point that I pulled up to and I was looking at because if you look at the box score right, and you alluded to some coaching mishaps, Ryan Tannehill mishaps, right? You have to compare the way that Titans offense has been playing or did play in this game compared to the Chiefs offense. And you just don't see those types of turnovers and takeaways uh, right. that Tannehill gave up. What did he throw? He threw four picks or three picks? It was bad, right? And some of them three, were hideous. Three, and they were yeah, terrible. Yeah, first play on that screen, another yep. one on the screen later in the game on the yeah. red zone. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And those are mistakes that Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City have cleaned up. For whatever reason, he's not taking as many chances. If you watch that Bills game, he was taking off. He was running more. Um, something, again, you hadn't seen him do a lot of this year, but shows that he's healthy. Maybe he was saving him for the playoffs mm-hmm. and saving those fresh legs. You know, he was willing to go and push and press and take off. He's also dumping down underneath if teams are sitting in a certain coverage um, that they're giving him, right? Again, right. you heard it earlier in the year, like, Chiefs are dead, Chiefs are dead. So I think you have a team with Kansas city that is not going to make those same mistakes that Tennessee somehow played right into uh, Cincinnati's hands. Yep. Yep. That all makes sense. And yeah. And so here's got one. what's you interesting one. to me. <clears throat> here's what's interesting to me. And, you know, we've been doing this DVOA to spread ratio for the last, what, since like week 10. I forget what the exact record was. It was 20 and 12 that coming out of the regular season. So, so profitable. Um, but, you know, what we, what we found here was that, Essentially looking at the percentage difference of DVOA. So example, the overall team DVOA for the Chiefs is 17.5. The Bengals is zero. So essentially the, the Bengals are almost the, the, the line of league average at an overall team right here. That's a 17 percentage point difference. So you take that difference and then we look at the spread. The spread here is minus seven. We divide the two and we get 0.4. Right. That's a DVOA to spread ratio of 0.4. Anything between roughly 0.3 and 0.6 over the last, you know, eight weeks has been pretty stock. It hasn't had strength one or the other. You know, those are games that I wouldn't normally consider. So I think one, we're definitely gambling a little bit this week. Sharpest lines of the season, you know, end of the season, not where you make your profits. This is not where the grind really continues. This is where the fun happens. So this week at 17 and a half with a seven point spread is 0.4 squarely in the eh, no play range for me. But there's also a different comparison that I've done on top of this outside of just the number, which week in and week out has been looking at the percentage difference of all games and then comparing that to the spread as as a strength indicator. So an example of that would be if you have four teams that all have a 10 percentage point difference, one is a pick them. <clears throat> two are at minus five and one is at minus 10, you would conclude that the pick is a terrible line for the favorite or for the stronger team. The two in the middle are probably stock. And then the minus 10 is, is really, really strong. So what I did here to try to get just some more games, because only two games, not much comparison here. Uh, Caesars actually put out look ahead lines for the Super Bowl. So wanted to see if we had anything there. Interesting. And what we find here is that in if the Rams were to play the Bengals, that's projected to be a three and a half point spread. The difference there is 21 percentage points. If the Niners and the Bengals happen to play each other, the difference there is 19.5 percentage points. Both of those are pretty close to 17 and a half. So now all of a sudden we've got two other corollaries and those project projected lines are three and a half and one and a half. So all of a sudden the smallest of those deltas at 17 and a half, which is the game we have this week is at minus seven. That's way stronger than the other two projected spreads of a similar difference. And that is where I'm finding the strength in the line this week and why I love the chiefs minus seven. Does that make sense? That makes sense. That makes sense. So you're comparing those other lines to see what Vegas would do with it, right? And how they're exactly. thinking about those matchups to really pinpoint, is this strong? Is this weak? Is this mm-hmm. stock? 
Right. Yeah. And I always think back to what Russell Crowe, a beautiful mind, baby, when he's trying to crack that 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 code of the, the Nazi Germany's, you know, bebop, bebop, the Morse code, whatever. And the numbers start coming out at him. That was this moment for me because I was looking yeah. for something. I think it's a stock line. I was trying to find an edge anywhere this week. Uh, and I think that that could be it for me. And that that was what pushed me over the edge, especially past yeah. the yards per play defense or points per play similarities. Uh, but that yeah. perceived line strength, I guess. Is, and I'll give you one other thing that supports your stance on the Chiefs. I think when you again, the Chiefs defense got better as the year went on. Right. Obviously, DVOA wise, still not ranked the best, but, but better. They got healthier with some pass rushers back. Um, but one thing that I looked at, again, we talked about Tannehill and the turnovers. The Titans also had nine sacks on the Bengals and a bad offensive line. Like I'm saying a bad, I mean, good for Joe Burrow. He keeps getting up. I'm, the guy's a rock star. And yeah, what was nine sacks, he said? Nine. Insane. Yeah, nine. Yeah, Insane. nine. He was, and, he, and some of them were like, he was getting beat up on, right? Yeah. <laughs> but the Titans, and I looked a lot, Back half of the year at that uh, ESPN stat of pass rush, you know, um, run stop, win rates, uh, things like that. What's happening at the line of scrimmage between the offensive and defensive lines. The Chiefs come in uh, ranked seventh at 44% of a pass rush win rate. So defensive okay. linemen, linebackers getting to the quarterback, uh, getting that pressure. They're winning 44% of the time. The Titans, who we just talked about having... Uh, nine sacks and beating the crap out of Joe Burrow. They were only winning 39% of the time, good for 21st in the league. So, uh, uh, you know, again, do you get more, even more pressure? You know, what does that mean for Burrow? And then does that slow him down enough to keep up with a higher powered offense in, in the matchup mm-hmm. overall? You know, I, I think so. I lean that way. I lean the Chiefs. I, I probably lean the over, but that is a big number to hang. For me, probably look to see if anything starts slow and then live bet that total. I, I did that with the Chiefs and Bills last week out you know, at least a three or four point edge off right. the uh, closing line. It ended up not mattering with the outburst at the end of the game. But, you know, yeah, I felt great about a number at 50-51 when the thing closed around 55. For sure. And I think it's such a good point to hammer home of, of picking and choosing your spots, right? These lines are going to be the sharpest of the season. Find a number in your head that you're comfortable at taking it. And then once the score gets it there, take it or don't. Never a bad thing to sit out of a game. You know, watch it as a as a sports fan rather than a short term. Absolutely. The Get the popcorn. And, yeah. And Ant, we're talking, we were talking, you know, pre-show about, we feel that this week is definitely a little bit more gambling rather than investing. Um, so, you know, don't blow your bankroll on, on, on the playoffs. End of the story. Absolutely. And with that, the second game, the nightcap or so of your Sunday afternoon to take you in, hopefully by six forty six forty five. we got the trilogy of uh, Rams Niners, a, in conference, in division matchup, which is always interesting to see in the playoffs, right. teams playing each other for a third time. And one narrative here that you're going to hear, probably hammered into your brains if you haven't already, is the Niners and uh, Kyle Shanahan own Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams. It's true. No lies detected, Ant. And, you yeah. know, this is an interesting one as well because, you know, coming into last week, there was only two teams left in the tournament. That had a top five or top, yeah, top 10 offense and defense according to DVOA. That was the 49ers and the Bills. Obviously, we're on both of them. You know, whatever you want to say about the Bills, they should have won that game. So I, I stand by that handicap. Um, but that, that still rings true here. Not that the Rams are that much further behind. Weighted defense, we've got five and six. Weighted offense, we've got four and 14. But this Rams offense does look a little different with Cam Akers back. I feel like the last three, four weeks, they've really started to hum a little bit. OBJ is, you know, comfortable in the offense. Um 
And so I, I almost feel like that weighted DVOA number for them is, is a little inflated and should be ranked better, which is definitely a concern for me. That's definitely what the eye test tells you, right? Especially the way they've jumped out in some of these games. I mean, what's interesting is is they've had some big leads in some of these games that they've coughed up, including week 18 against the Niners, which we'll touch on a little bit later. But I do think that that number surprised me when I saw it because it feels like that offense hums along. One thing I wanted to talk a little bit about before we get into the previous matchups is just uh, blitz rates here and, and what that means. And like, Again, not something I particularly dive into, but once I heard the narrative floating around, some of this was feedback after the Cardinals uh, wildcard weekend game against the Rams, which was a, mm-hmm. kind of a, a blowout. And then the um, the Bucks game. And those two teams really blitzed the Rams and Matt Stafford a lot. Now, both of those teams were pretty high in terms of where they came in at from a blitz rate standpoint. Um, I think if I looked at this from a regular season standpoint, Tampa Bay was first at blitz rate um, and Arizona was fourth, both at 33.6% or higher. So the, the Bucks number was a little bit higher. San Francisco's way down on the list, only 19.8. And they're on like the you know the bottom five of the league. So they're not blitzing because they're, they're generating so much pressure with their front four. But the reason I bring that up is Stafford shredded these teams against mm-hmm. the blitz. He, he did that in Arizona. And he looked great in the wildcard game. And he did that uh, obviously in the beginning of the game against the Bucks. the Bucks actually started pulling back those blitzes and stopped doing it. Um, now I don't think that's ultimately the reason why the Bucks got back into the game. It was a lot of fumbles, but sure. it's an interesting matchup dynamic here. One that concerns me a little bit if I'm the Rams, because if the Niners can keep generating that pressure, and not blitzing, you know, Stafford is not doing as well under pressure as he is against the blitz, right? He finished the 2021 season with a 89.1 pass expected points added against the blitz. And that was the highest in the next gen stats era. So next gen stats is measuring all kinds of crazy things, right? But that's telling you that he's shredding the the blitz seventh highest yards per attempt, third best completion rate. And he scored the most fantasy points per attempt against the blitz. So, you know, there's, that helps, right? The Niners, does that matter? Um, you mentioned the offense kind of humming. Do you think they can still get going if that the teams are just getting natural pressure? I think that very much matters. More teams in coverage. I mean, does Akers change that? Maybe, maybe not. The man was maybe. running, running, you know, fierce to say the least, yeah. but he also had that key fumble. But it's not like Sonny Michelle wasn't running well. No. So and, and Sonny Michelle has postseason experience, which you as a Pats fan enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's an interesting one to me. I mean, I'm so torn, right? You know, we, you make so many good points there, none of which I have a good rebuttal to. I think they're all yeah. smart. And I, I think that leans a little bit towards the, the Niners. Um, right. You know, I juxtapose that with my DVA to spread. And there's been one hole consistently over the last 10 weeks. And that is teams that are very similarly graded. Here we have a two-point differential in terms of overall DVOA efficiency. So two very good teams with a line that's about the same of that difference, right? We've got a two percentage point difference and a line what's three, three and a half right now, which gives you a DVOA to spread of, of over one, which in theory should be wildly strong, but it just hasn't found any consistency. There's been no trend to prove that where there has been trends on, on the ones with larger gaps or smaller gaps and line strength or line weakness. So that's a concern to me. There's also a direct corollary to the last two teams that I had in terms of weighted DVOA ranked better as the underdog. Uh, that's first going to be the Patriots taking on the Bills. Uh, we know how <laughs> that went. Uh, didn't go very well. The Pats got absolutely spanked. And then we look at last week, DVOA ranking wise, the Bills were better than the Chiefs. I mean, 
maybe this one you should have taken into effect because they, they just kick that get ball into into the make a force a return they win that game but nonetheless that's the last two times we've seen a stronger DVOA ranking as an underdog both of those teams have lost so for me that points me to the Rams but then the other side of things we look at yards per play points per play very very similar when it's similar I like to take the dog and then to your point which I don't know if you've even gotten into yet the head-to-head matchups let's hit that real quick you got I mean, the head-to-head matchup is, is is wild to me and I mean I heard this and then didn't think it was true and like I heard I think I heard this going into the regular season game so this was probably going into week 18 when they were like sure. yeah he owns the Rams and these guys have you know, close ties, coaching trees, relationships, right? I think you probably saw the tweet in the picture of all of these guys underneath the Washington football team staff um, before they let them all go uh, under Mike Shanahan. And then they went and hired Jay Gruden. So good job, Washington quality effort. Um, But that brings me to the point of like, he's Owen six McVeigh has not beaten them since, since 2019 when these guys have been matched up against each other. Owen six in this matchup, um, it just shocked me. I mean, you think about the Rams and all the success they've had, including a Super Bowl run. They haven't beaten a division rival once in in three years. Like that's that's crazy when division t- games are split all the time, right? Like it's hard. And then I go back to well, it's hard to beat a team three times, right? And that sure. I have no data to prove that. That's just like yeah, you hear that's what people you say. It, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear it. I hear it out there, right? It's hard to beat a team three times. Interestingly enough, these teams have only played one other time in the playoffs in 1990. Uh, the Niners beat up on the Rams 30 to three. So this is the first postseason matchup, second overall, first since that that time. I, yeah, I, I, trends trends are meant to be broken or followed. I don't know. That's yeah, I mean, one. the only corollary I have here is perhaps Harbaugh on the big game, and he finally yeah. broke through this year, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, this is why, you know, for those of you guys listening, we you know term this as a little bit more of a gambling weekend rather than an investor weekend, because <laughs> I could wax poetic about a, you know, DVOA strength that would make you buy in on the Rams so much and yards per points per play argument to get you to buy in on the 49ers with confidence. And then, you know, six and out dominance, like, OK, is that due for a regression or does he just own him? You could make an argument either way as well. Gun to my head here. I think I'm taking. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Gun to my head. I guess I'm dead because I took neither. I'll save you. You panicked. You panicked. <laughs> what do you got here, man? So I think I, I actually am going to go official with the Rams. I mean, the one thing that scares me right now is the three and a half. Um, you know, I want to see if this thing comes down to three. So I'll be watching it pretty closely. If it's three, you know, I'm there all day. If it somehow goes to two and a half, I'm there all day. Yeah, for me it comes down to two main things. I do one. I do think there's going to be some regression um, sure. with that zero and six. That's that's a wild stat. But I also look at just the Niners offensively, and that's what worries me a little bit. Yeah, they came yeah. back in that regular season game, and, and the regular season is different, right? And I'm sure the Rams are regretting it because they could have kept the Niners out of the playoffs and not be facing this uh, juggernaut that owns them over the last three years right, right now. But Jimmy G. Who keeps winning games? Credit to him. He's five and one in these six postseason games, but he also has a, a passer rating of seventy point three. He's thrown for seven hundred thirty yards, two TDs, five interceptions. Not a great stat line, but again, the teams have won five and one. Obviously, that loss being the Super Bowl. Right. Um, so to put this in perspective, Jimmy G during the season had a passer rating of ninety eight point seven. Right. So a big discrepancy in what he's delivering in these postseason games versus um, in the playoffs. You can make the arguments if it wasn't for the special teams discrepancy between the Packers, which I wish we would have spent a little bit more time on when we talked last week. We, I think we brushed over it. Mason Crosby in that special teams unit was garbage. 
all season long, right? That was a huge DVOA discrepancy. It was a huge eye test discrepancy. But when you look at where, again, the Niners got that advantage, they actually come in ranked 26th overall, which was pretty low compared to the Packers. The Rams are fourth, right? So they don't have the special teams advantage. They, I don't think they have the offensive advantage because when you break down some of the rushing attack stuff, you know, again, the Rams are up there statistically, both DVOA and as well as the run stop win rate, they're first overall. Uh, DVOA, rush against the rush, they're fifth. Like, they're not, this is a good defense as well. And one that I think, along with the offense, has found rhythm. Von Miller has looked better. Aaron Donald has been himself, right? So I just mm-hmm. think it's the wrong time uh, and a bad matchup. Now, the Niners coming hot. They can do a lot, and Shanahan owns them. But I, I like overall where these matchups net out. And, mm-hmm. you know, the last thing I'll point to is the the line strength, right? Like, off of those losses, the two this year during the regular season, a 31-10 whopping when they were three-and-a-half-point favorites uh, at San Francisco – and then in L.A., when they were, again, three-and-a-half-point favorites and they lost 27-24 on a ridiculous comeback, that line holding at 3.5 to me says something, right? right. So I, I do think that stood out, too, and I just think there's too much there's too much firepower here. So I'm going to wait to see if I can get the three, but like you know, I feel good about it at three-and-a-half. Okay, and I do want to clarify one of my statements earlier when we were talking about top 10 DVOA. Um, that was weighted only. If we look at the full season, the Rams are top 10 in both, eight yeah. and uh, fifth for, for yeah. fifth overall. So that makes me feel a little bit better. You know, I'm going to join you on the Rams. I think the line Ooh. is good. It is. I mean, the DVOA to strength, right? It says yeah. it says yeah. take them. And, yeah. um, you know, I got to trust my system. I got to trust your analysis. Trust me. So I guess we're both living or dying. Uh, either way, we're chalk, baby, chalk, weekend. chalk, yeah, baby, the chalk. chalk straight down to the schoolyard playing a little uh, hopscotch and a yep. little tic-tac-toe. And yeah. That's one okay one other angle for this game, yeah, too, that I'll probably mess with, and, and I've been trying to do this a little bit more in both NBA and NFL because I think it stands true, is I may look at the first half under. Um, that's not official. I don't have the number yet, too. I could probably pull it up. The total right now, I think, is sitting uh, overall at 46.5, pretty stocked yeah. to where this, these games have been. But if you look at some of those matchups, including the um, the – 27-24, the most recent one, when the Niners were kind of mm-hmm. themselves, the Rams were more themselves. These teams scored only three points in the first quarter. It was 3 nothing in the first quarter. It was 17-3 at halftime, right? Both of those numbers would have went under any quarter or half spread. You saw this in the Rams-Bucks game. It actually started a little bit slow, even with the Rams' firepower. Stayed under thanks to an Acres fumble on a hook, 23-and-a-half. They scored 23 points. Um, that first half total, I was on the under 23-and-a-half. I, I will argue that the outlier play of the Acres fumble, which I was blessed by the gambling gods, was fluky because um, Brady threw a pick to set up that scoring drive anyway. Right? right? They should have punted and should have never even come up. So sure. I stand by that result. And I think you just see these teams that know each other well in the playoffs starting slow. Right? That game went under in the first half of the Rams box. It went over full game. Again, very similar corollary with the overtime victory in Week 18. It went under in the first half at 20 points. Um, and then ended up going over by four and a half points on the closing line, which is the yeah. same with 51 total points. So I, I actually lean the full game under, but I always, I, I think in these scenarios, I've liked the first half under a lot. Yeah. And interesting, you know, I'm taking another look here at the DVA to spread 
where I kind of concluded whatever, but I, I didn't look at this game versus the look ahead lines next week, which is yeah, also interesting. That's a great right? point. We a two point one percent difference this week in favor of the Rams. Uh, the, the look ahead lines here, uh, you have the Rams would be four percentage points better, so very very similar there. And if the Niners were playing the Chiefs, um, the Niners would actually be two percentage points better there. But those lines are two and a half and one and a half. So this is the smallest differential or smallest delta here and the biggest line. So I can yeah. see that being perceived as strength as well. So yeah. I would love to get three for sure. Um, yeah, I, I feel yeah. that's always the hope, but you know, we'll see. All right. So you're here to hear first, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Chiefs minus seven. I'm definitely on Ant, Remind me if you're on that one. I'm coming with. He's coming with buckle up for the ride. And we're both on the Rams. Um, haven't locked it in yet. Looking to get three. Going to do some line shopping maybe this afternoon. Uh, and we'll take it from there. But as always, you can find us on Twitter uh, at Old Man Who Bets, at The Odds Fellow. Uh, you can reach out to 137 p.m., an amazing publication, 137pm.com. Uh, that brings you life, love, the pursuit of happiness, a lot of culture, streetwear, NFTs, sports cards, et cetera. Obviously, sports betting through the two of us. Uh, we appreciate you listening. You know, we're here every Wednesday, 1.15 p.m. live coming at you. And the podcast is released officially Thursday morning, uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. So we appreciate the downloads. We appreciate the tune in. We appreciate the banter, the tailing, the fading, everything that comes with it. Uh, until next week, this was, this is, this always will be short term high volatility investments. Cheers.